Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're covering King's Cage by Victoria Aveyard. This is the third book in the series the Red Queen series, and we are super excited about it. So I'm going to get started with our characters. First, let's start out with a new word. So Mayor and Cal and company have been calling new bloods, red bloods with uh, extra abilities, just new bloods. But in this book, we introduce a new word for those people, and it's an ardent. So that's, that's the equivalent of a new blood. That's what they're called in Montfort and Piedmont. So... If we refer to ardent, we also mean new bloods. We have some new characters this week. So one of our new characters is named Samson Miranda. He's a silver. He was Elara's brother, and he's also a whisper. He is vicious and cruel and responsible for torturing people. We have Elaine Haven, who is also a silver. She's a shadow, so she's able to manipulate light, which allows her to become invisible and makes her a good spy. She is Evangeline's lover. We have Volo Samos, who is also silver, and he is Evangeline's father. Like her, he's a magnetron, so he can manipulate metal. He is a man, a few words, who is very ambitious and is always scheming and seeking to increase his power. He is a strict and harsh parent who views his children as bargaining chips, which he can use to grow his empire. We also have Ptolemos Samos, so he's also silver. He's Evangeline's older brother, also a magnetron. We've seen him in other books, but his role is a lot more prominent in this one. Evangeline calls him Tali. For short, he is a fierce fighter. He's known for his temper and for being impulsive, and he has a lot of love for his sister, so they are very close. And then their mother, her name is Laurentia of House Viper. She's also a silver. She is an animus, so she is able to manipulate animals. And like Evangeline, she is partial to wearing her ability so she walks around with snakes incorporated and not like not woven into but she uses like snakes and animals as accessories and she is super intimidating we meet Rin Skonos so she's a young healer a skin healer who heals Mare from Maven a lot in this book and then eventually allies with House Samos we meet Characters who are called Kitten, Clover, Trio, and Egg. So these are not their real names, but Mayor doesn't ever really learn their real names. These are the people who uh, are Silvers, and they are Mayor's guard while she is held captive by Maven. So they are Arvin guards, which means that they have the ability to silence people's powers, so they keep her powers suppressed and serve as her guard while she's held captive by Maven. We meet King Auric of Signet of the Lakelands. So he's a silver. He's the king of the Lakelands. He's described as a slight, clean-shaven, clear-eyed man with dark skin. His court favors shades of blue, and he is a nymph, so he is able to wield water. 
as is his daughter, another new character, Iris Signet. She's the princess of the Lakelands, also a nymph, also can wield water. She's a trained fighter. She's very capable of defending herself and is described as being very calm and in control. We meet Annabelle Larola, or Nanabelle, as Cal calls her. That's Cal's paternal grandmother, and she's the queen of Delphi. She is in oblivion, so she has the ability to explode things. We meet uh, Salen Irol of House Irol. He's a silver. He has silk abilities, so he's that means uh, silks are super quick and quiet, and they also make for really good spies. He is allied with Maven initially and later switches allegiances to House Samos. We meet Dane Davidson. So he is the premier or the leader of the Free Republic of Montfort. He is an ardent or new blood and his ability is to shield. So he was born in Norta and conscripted into the war. And when his abilities were discovered, he was scheduled to be executed, but he escaped and then was instrumental in uniting the Reds and the Ardents to overthrow the government in Montfort and bring equality to their people. So he excels at strategy and political maneuvering, manipulating others to bring about the best outcome for his country. We have mentioned, we don't officially meet, but we talk about Prince Bracken of Piedmont. So he's the acting leader of Piedmont. He has children, Michael and uh, Carlotta, who are missing. And then we also meet Rafe, Ella, and Titan. So these are new ardents who are also electricons, which is what Mare is, it turns out. She's an electricon. So they are also able to manipulate lightning. We learn about the Free Republic of Montfort, which again is ruled by, we go to some new places in this book. So we learn about Corvium, which is a military city within Norta that's designed to withstand battle. So you can think like Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings. This is a city that's been designed to withstand attack. So it's surrounded by thick stone walls and it has an inner tower within the center of it. Soldiers have to go through the city to reach the choke, which is the front lines on our war front. We learn more about the Lakelands. So the Lakelands uh, is a country that Norta is at war with and has been at war with for the last hundred years. It's a monarchy. It's ruled by House Signet. They have similar power structure to Norta with the Reds remaining subservient to the Silvers, uh, Dane Davidson. And it's a democracy where Reds, Silvers, and Ardents live in peace with equality with each other. They're allied with the Scarlet Guard and intent on bringing about equality to other nations and ending the oppression of the Reds and the Ardents. We go to Piedmont, which is an oligarchy. It's split into multiple territories and ruled by the strongest princes and princesses. It's allied with Norta and like Norta, it views Reds as subservient. And then we also go to the Rift. So that's the kingdom under the dominion of House Samos within Norta and home to their primary residence of Evangeline's family, which is called Ridge House. So it's a land of valleys and mountains with the capital at Pitaris. After the Rift declares their own independence from Maven, House Iral, House Laris, and House Haven ally with them. So that's our new characters and our new locations. Vicki, do you want to get started with our plot? Sure. So we pick back up where Glassort ended with Mare as Maven's prisoner. Maven broadcasts her capture and tells his people that she is the leader of the Scarlet Guard. Mare looks out at the crowd of Silvers and wonders why they're still listening to him even after her broadcast exposed Maven. 
Mare is held captive and is given four guards from the house Arvin who can silence her lightning and keep her physically weak. She is also put in manacles of silent stone. Many people want Mare to be punished. However, Maven has not taken any action to punish or interrogate her. He actually says that death would be too good for her. Frustrated by this, Evangeline, who is now Maven's fiance, takes Mare to a party in order to bait him into punishing her. Maven allows Mare to be interrogated by Samson Mirandus, who forces himself into Mare's mind and makes her relive horrible moments, including Shade's death. He takes all the information he can from Mare regarding the Scarlet Guard. We then switch over to Cameron Cole's point of view. She stayed with the Scarlet Guard. From her, we learn that once Mare was captured, the Scarlet Guard abandoned Tuft and moved to Irabel. Cameron is still focused on saving her brother. It's noted that she repeatedly asked the colonel to help and he denies her every time. We switch back to Mare's point of view. She wakes up from being interrogated and finds that Maven has been sitting with her. Maven informs her that he is going to change the narrative. Instead of Mare being the leader, she is now a pawn used by the Scarlet Guard. He forces her to give a speech where she says that the Scarlet Guard is slaughtering new bloods and encourages the new bloods to come to the palace for sanctuary. In the meantime, the Scarlet Guard is planning to take over Corvium. Evangeline again forces Mare and Maven together. While they are alone, Maven tells Mare that Alara has been in his brain since he was a baby. He was slow to walk as a child, so Alara used her whispering powers to force him to walk before he was ready. He also revealed that Alara took away his ability to love his brother and father, but that certain types of love cannot be erased. He tells her about Thomas, who he was in love with. He accidentally killed Thomas when he lost control of his burner ability. Maven asked his mother to take away the pain, but she was unable to do so. New Bloods begin showing up at court. Maven asks them to demonstrate their abilities, so we get to see some new powers, including one New Blood who is able to detect other people's powers. While demonstrating, she accidentally reveals that Nanny is there disguised as a silver. Nanny is forced to kill herself before being interrogated. Mare realizes that this was likely Cal's attempt to help her. As a strange form of apology, Maven provides Mare with Julie and Jaco's books. They're mostly history books, and it's revealed that the Silvers used to be oppressed by the Reds. Mare is summoned to speak with Maven and finds that two princes from P Piedmont are visiting. They question her about the Scarlet Guard, but Mare does not have any pertinent information for them. That night, there is an honor there is a dinner in the honor of their guests. During dinner, the houses Irel, Haven, and Laris attempt to assassinate Maven. They are nearly successful, and Maven only survives a shot to the throat due to the skin healers. After the assassination attempt, Maven begins sending away the houses while keeping their children as leverage. Maven decides to do a coronation tour of Norta. He takes Mare and Evangeline with him. He gives speeches to the Reds where he tells them he will protect them from the Scarlet Guard. He changes the conscription age from 15 back to 18. He also continues to enforce the idea that the Scarlet Guard are terrorists instead of rebels. During this tour, Mare learns that the Lake Lander War has always been a form of population control. She learns that Maven has secured an alliance with the Lake Land Kingdom, which will end the war. Additionally, they learn that Corvium has been taken by the Scarlet Guard. After the guard's victory in Corvium, Cameron sets out to save her brother. Cal stops her from just barging in and getting herself killed. Instead, he helps her come up with a plan to rescue her brother. 
Using Herrick, the illusionist, they are able to rescue her brother along with other red soldiers. When she is reunited with her brother, Mori, he is horrified to find that she has aligned herself with the Scarlet Guard as he believes Maven's propaganda. Maven and company go to the choke where he meets with King Signet in order to finalize the alliance. The King of the Lakelanders requires Maven to marry his daughter to secure the deal. Maven agrees and breaks off his engagement with Evangeline. Mare notices that Evangeline is relieved. Several months pass, during which time Mare continues to read Julian's books. She notices a note he has written uh, in one of the books that says the Silvers were not God's chosen, but God's cursed, as their abilities came about through corruption. Before the wedding, Evangeline again forces Mare and Maven together, and he tells her that she will be helping at his wedding. The day of the wedding arrives, and after the ceremony, the Scarlet Guard attack. During the brutal attack, Evangeline helps Mare escape and heal with the promise that she not kill Ptolemus. Mare agrees and goes searching for Cal. When she finds him, she discovers that he is under the control of Samson. Samson begins forcing them to fight each other. Eventually, they break his hold, kill him, and escape Archeon. We learn that how Samos has used the distraction of the battle to escape and return to the family lands in the Rift, where they will form a new kingdom with Volo as the king. Evangeline is thrilled about this, as she is now free of Maven and can be with her lover, Elaine Haven. Mare and Cal arrive at the military base, and Mare is reunited with her family. She learns that Farley is pregnant with Shade's baby. Mare and Cal begin running and training together, and on one of those runs, they begin a physical relationship. Mare soon starts to train with the other Electricons to hone her ability. Meanwhile, in the Rift, houses Samos, Eril, Haven, Laris, and Lyrolin um, gather at the Samos estate to create the Kingdom of the Rift. However, Cal's grandmother, Annabelle, declares that she will not support this while Cal lives. It is agreed that they will put Cal back on the throne of Norta, but that the House of Samos will rule the Rift. To seal this deal, it is decided that Evangeline will marry Cal. Evangeline is devastated by this. The houses team up with Scarlet Guard and Montfort against Maven and the Lakelanders. Mare tells her family that she will help in this war. Her family begs her to stop, but she says that it is something she must see through. Cameron decides to stay with the Scarlet Guard, but that she will only fight in a defensive role. The Scarlet Guard and Montfort learn that Maven and the Lakelanders are going to attempt to retake Corvium. The Guard, along with the Rift and the rebelling houses, travel to Corvium and successfully defeat Maven. After the battle, the Coalition gathers to discuss the next step. Annabelle reveals that Cal will be put back on the throne and marry Evangeline. Cal, Mare, and Evangeline are all upset, and despite Mare's pleading, Cal decides to take the throne. He asks Mare to choose him so that he won't be alone, but Mare declines. As she leaves, Farley and Davidson find her and tell her they are going to let the Silvers destroy each other from within. All right, so the next part of the podcast is where we talk about spoilers. So if you haven't finished the book yet and you want to come back to it, now is the time to pause. If you have finished the book and want to keep listening, you can keep going. Or if you're like Marissa and you haven't finished the book but you love spoilers, keep listening. Spoilers! (laughs) Okay. So. So. What do you think of this book? I liked it more than the other ones, for sure. Me too. Yes, it was definitely the back and forth. Getting out of Mare's head was good. 
Oh my gosh. So great. Yes. I love taking a break from her psyche. Yes. It's like a vacation. <laughs> I know. I was hoping we actually would see other people's, but we just had Evangeline and Cameron, which is fine. I know. Yeah, that was fine. I was hoping we would see more people too, but you know, anybody's better than nobody. <laughs> I did. So, uh, I liked Mira a lot better in this book, actually. She, you know, being held captive and tortured is pretty terrible, but I think it was a good experience. Like overall, it was a good experience. I think it was a good experience of growth for her. I think she grew a lot uh, in response to being held captive, even though it was terrible and she endured awful things. I think it improved her ability to assess, assess situations and read people and look for points of weakness or even think like she even says like she's got like this mental map of the, the castle that she's in to memorize that she's memorized um, in the event that she does need to make an escape, which ends up being really helpful for her in the long run. She, you know, she's learned, she's learned things from this awful experience that she's had. So I think it, even though it was terrible, I think it was sort of empowering in a way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, she definitely seemed, I, I don't want to say smarter, but, you know, she seemed more in tune, I think, with what was going on around her. Right. Because we talked in the last podcast a little bit about how she just didn't really notice the people around her. Like mm -hmm. with Cameron, she was like, oh, Cameron helped me. No. Yeah. Um, so I think it helped her to see other people um, mm -hmm. more clearly. One of the things that was like the first thing I noted was, so at the very beginning, Maris marched out in front of the Silvers and her inner dialogue is something along the lines of, I told them how awful Maven was, but they aren't rebelling. Why aren't they rebelling? And I'm like, you had did all of that while holding the severed head of his mother. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that caused for instant rebellion. No. <laughs> Not from the silver. <laughs> I know. I don't know why she Get thought. It. Know your <laughs> audience, Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast too, but how she kept going back and forth between being like, Mare is dead. Um, Marina's <laughs> dead. And she does it again. And she's like, I know yeah. who I am. I'm Mare. Uh, Burrow? Barrow. Barrow. Okay. She does it again. She's like, I'm Mare Barrow. But, you know, in the other book, Mare Barrow died. And then the lightning girl died. And then later on in the book, she says, they know who I am. I am the lightning girl. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Pick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah very dramatic but yeah. much much less uh angst I think yeah in, in the last one yeah there was a lot less angst so I also when she's being tortured by Samson mm -hmm. right we finally get a description of the queen's death yeah or Alara's death which was like yeah like and it was brutal yeah it was which was great that we finally got to see it we didn't see it in the uh mm -hmm. other book like we said it was just skimmed over kind of blah. yeah and it's disappointing just, yes <laughs> so that was i like being able to see that in this book actually actually getting a little bit more of a descriptor than just alara's dead bodies on the plane now yeah <laughs> exactly 
Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that um, the author decided to go into Cameron's point of view. Mm-hmm. There were, other, I feel like she could have gone with another character, maybe Farley, because Cameron yeah. isn't, well, I guess now she is, but she wasn't, I felt like really a main character, sort of. You know, she joined, mm-hmm. what, halfway through the last book, I yeah. think. And then she was whiny. Mm-hmm. But so I kind of, it felt strange for that to be who she picked. But it, I worked out, you know. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I just thought it was an interesting choice. Yeah, I agree. I really would like something. Farley's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I really would like something for her. I agree. Although I did, uh, so Cameron was really irritating to me in the last book and I liked her a lot better in this book too. Mm-hmm. Um, having that perspective of, of having that, those chapters from her perspective did, did more to endear her to me than not just having everything from Mayor's perspective in the last book. So, so and I did enjoy that Cameron kind of called them out well in her head anyway yeah. I guess <laughs> called out how how I guess gullible Cal and Mare are when it comes to Maven yeah well and just with each other too so Cameron comes through with some really great truths in the in her chapters she's like like about yeah about Maven she makes a comment like I don't understand how they keep getting tricked by him mm-hmm. and then in regards to their relate, so Cameron does not have a good relationship with Cal. Like that, she doesn't like him, and uh, she she says, "I don't know how Mayor could stand him and his inability to choose a side." Which is so, I mean, I love like he's my sweet baby Cal. He's just like <laughs> a little golden retriever, and I just love him. But he is so wishy washy, and she Cameron is so right. Like, pick a side. Cal's just stuck in such a bad position, you know, so he was raised to be king and now he's basically fighting against what he was supposed to be, you know, Mm -hmm. and on top of that fighting against his, I mean, the reds are his people too, though. It's just very frustrating Mm -hmm. with Cal. Mm -hmm. I just, because I never really, I still don't really feel the chemistry between them. Yeah. So for him to be so... I've got to get Mare back, yes. which was, I was like, really? Yeah. And Mare's pining too. So I agree. I still didn't feel the chemistry between them. And when Mare's being held captive, she like, she wants to get back to Cal. She misses, or uh, Cal. Mm-hmm. She wants to get back to Cal. She misses Cal. I'm like, but uh, I mean, were y'all that close really? Like y'all, y'all shared like a sleeping bag in the last book, but you didn't really like talk about your feelings or yeah, maybe weird sex in the, in the dirt. Like, oh yeah, that didn't, that wasn't sex because when they did the sex scene here, it was, oh, have you ever done this before? And it said, no, I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, internet. They didn't have sex in chapter 17 in Glass Sword. In terms of Cal, Mare, and Maven, right, and a timeline, at one point, Mare says she's actually spent more time with Maven than she has with Cal. Yeah. And that's another one of those things where I'm like, 
first off, so that means the first two books took place over like what three months, mm-hmm. maybe three to yeah. six months, and then the first half of the second book is six months, mm-hmm. or the first half of this book is six months. Um, so she doesn't really know Cal all that well. If anything, she knows Maven better, mm-hmm. and he tells her how he feels about things. And in this book, I felt chemistry between them, which was wild. I know I did too, and it made me sad. It did, yeah. Did you feel more chemistry between Mare and Maven than you did Mare and Cal, or was it like an equivalent level of chemistry? I would actually say I felt more between, like, there was I felt actual chemistry between Mare and Maven, which I right. never felt with Mare and Cal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would agree. Yeah. And I guess part of it was because he opens up to her mm-hmm. and all of that, which helps. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I still have a hard time trusting that, though. Like, trusting that he's actually genuinely opening up to her with the intention of being closer to her and not manipulating her so that she won't want to kill. Like, I feel like he's trying to really invest in maybe like some Stockholm syndrome vibes with her so that she'll stop trying to want to escape him because he's obsessed with her and he loves her. So he wants to keep her safe. So if he can manipulate her into being in love with him again, then she won't want to escape. Yeah, I don't think that he was just telling her his feelings to just tell her his feelings. There was definitely manipulation behind that, but there was some, like, chemistry behind it, too, you know? And he does say at one point, she asked him why, and he's like, it's the only way you'll stay with me. Yeah. I was like, oh, which that's not a good... Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that... So through her interact, because Mayor, I think Mayor feels it too, because she has to keep reminding herself of everyone that she lost, of everything that she's been through, of all of this stuff. When Maven starts to, I don't know, open up to her, manipulate her, whatever it's, I mean, so he, he's affecting her Mm -hmm. and has been affecting her since the start, because even in the last book, you know, she would go back and she would, she mourns the loss of the boy that she loved. She mourns the loss of who she thought Maven was. And so I think it's, she's affected by this too. She, which is so interesting because we're supposed to be buying into her relationship with Cal. But I think her, from the start, her love for Maven has been more believable from my perspective than it ever has been with Cal. And then then I felt bad for him with so many things. Like when he said that his mother forced him to walk before he was ready, she basically cut out out his feelings for Mm -hmm. his brother and father. And he even though remembers having love for them, Mm -hmm. it's so sad. It is really sad. And there are things that he like, He's aware that there are empty spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is terrible. Like to know that there should be something there and to not be sure if she took it from him to know that it, it I, don't, I guess it kind of reminds me of like experiences with dementia to know that you should know something and you can't find that. You can't access that part of you. Um, he can't dream anymore because of her. He, his ability to have, I guess it's like familial love except Mm -hmm. for with her he doesn't have that anymore what's 
kind of awful about this. You, your emotions need to be balanced, right? You should be right. able to feel love along with like dislike and hate and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But he really can only feel a lot of negative things. Like yeah. so he can feel pain, he can feel loss, and a lot of the positive thing like feelings he's lost thanks to mm-hmm. his mother. And that's really sad. And what kind of person would you be if all you felt were negative feelings? Yeah. You know? I mean, he'd be miserable and he is. Mm-hmm. He is. Do you think that if Mare had shown more affection towards Maven and used that to manipulate him, that things would have turned out? Do you think he would have, I don't want to say been fixed, but, you know, he would have improved, I guess? Or do you think he still would have kept on his path that he had? I don't think he would have improved. I think that Alara had, I think that Alara has fractured his mind. I think that she has meddled with his brain to the point. I don't think that he could have been repaired. What do you think? I think I would have liked to see the book take the direction where she was more manipulative of him with mm-hmm. her feeling, or like manipulating his feelings more because I do think that it would have had, it would have ended up having more, I don't want to say a positive impact on him, but his actions wouldn't have been quite so drastic, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? I've, yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to see that um, as a strategy from there, but yeah. I don't know how good she'd be at it anyway, in terms mm-hmm. of like faking her feelings, which I know she tried to do with Cal like on the balcony and stuff in the very first book I just don't know how if Maven would see through it or not because there was that scene where they're on the train and he they're talking and she just like loses it and like basically tries to attack him Mm -hmm. and I don't know if she really would have been able to kept up that kept up the ruse Mm -hmm. for the for an extended period of time right for that Although there is that scene where he's in the bathtub mm-hmm. and Evangeline, you know, like marched uh, Mare there. Yeah. And she had just broken a glass, right? She had just been like freaking out. And it turned out to be the night before the wedding. Mm-hmm. And Maven like, told her that. And he was like, oh, you didn't know. And she said something like, oh, you thought I broke the glass because of you. And he was like, it was nice to hope <laughs> or something, mm-hmm. which was was sad too it was really sad you know he wants affection genuine affection so badly Mm -hmm. and later on he changes the conscription age back to 18 and like kind of looks at mayor like oh look what this nice thing i did was Mm -hmm. which reminded me back of cal when um he created that legion of silvers Mm-hmm. Um, to fight looking like reds a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, Maven's still trying to get Mare's approval, mm-hmm. you know? Which is why I think maybe if she did give him more, like, tried to manipulate him more with affection, that there could have been some different type of development. I don't right. know. There's potential. Right. And then sort of along with that, how 
even though it's said that he loves her, a lot of it, it's a lot of times it's also referred to him being obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of this line that I find, is he obsessed with her? You know, the idea of someone like Mary, the idea of having somebody care for you? Mm-hmm. Or does he actually love her as a person? Right. Well, and he says his mother tried to eradicate them from him, that, that feeling from him. Mm-hmm. Which just seemed to make it worse. Right. And maybe he did love her and then her trying to eradicate from him turned it from love to obsession and maybe he can't tell the difference. Yeah. So I liked how Elaine used her abilities, right? And was basically able to spy on Maven while he was alone in his quarters mm-hmm. and told Evangeline that he kept saying just kill her get it over with Mm -hmm. so he's aware that this obsession is not good Mm -hmm. and that he i mean from a political standpoint should have killed her yeah um but he just can't bring himself to do it Mm -hmm. some of these books just give me really creepy like relationship vibes like tamlin's unhealthy relationship with farah possession obsession really he felt like he deserved to possess her. And then it's the same with Maven to the point where he's branded her with his initial. That yeah. obsession has turned into possession. He owns her. She goes everywhere he does. She's a slave mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. I know he's our bad guy and we're not. And obviously he was written for this purpose to make you feel conflicted about him, which I really like. I love a complex lap bad guy. Mm-hmm. where it's not like you just hate them just because they're the bad guy, you know? Yeah. I think that's really, uh, you know, plays in line with just human nature and nature in general. There aren't people are in shades of gray. They're not just black and white. And so, yes, you have bad guys, but they're not just, there's an often another perspective to why they are the way that they are. Mm-hmm. There's this really a sad moment with Cal later in the book after Mayor has been rescued and he expresses hope for or the want for someone to heal his mind. Cal is visibly sad about Maven and Mayor is really revealing all of the stuff that she learned about him. You know, that he, she cut out, Alara cut out his ability to feel that brotherly, that affection, that love. You know, they have these skin healers. They have you know, Sarah Skonos is able to grow back Mayor's dad's leg and lung, which he hasn't had for like years. But there's not, there's nothing for mental health. There's not anyone that can heal the fractured parts of Maven's mind. And Mayor finally catches on that Cal does not want to murder his brother. <laughs> I yeah. got that. <laughs> and at one point they profess their love to each other. Mm-hmm. And Mare, I think, hesitates before saying it back to him because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, things that you love get taken away. Yeah. Just... We don't say these things to each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. And yeah, it just never, never felt the love. The biggest rom- like emotive romantic moment between them, I still think, was in the first book when he's teaching her how to dance and they kiss. Like that was, yes, right. I felt some chemistry then. 
Yes. I felt a little bit when they were like running and training together. Yes. There was that, but yes. it wasn't not intense, but it wasn't strong. It wasn't, it didn't seem like a really strong chemistry. Yeah. I really think a lot of their chemistry comes or their attachment to each other comes from the trauma bonding that we talked about in the last book. Yeah, I, I agree. When Cal and Mayor have sex in the woods, in the mud, in the middle of the rain, and they run back to the hospital to get cleaned up, and Farley is there, like, in labor. Mayor walks in and sees Farley, and Farley, like, whispers to a nurse, and then this nurse comes back with the pill, and it's like, okay. I guess Farley has, you know, planned or this whole experience has taught her a valuable lesson because the nurse comes back with like some version of plan B for me. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's thinking. Mm-hmm. That's someone there. <laughs> I like how Mayor doesn't even like she says something like, oh, without hesitation, I took him. Yeah. Something along those lines. You should not get pregnant in the middle of a revolution. That's today's peers of this podcast PSA. That's our podcast. If you are, or our PSA for today is, if you are about to go into like a war or a revolution, you should make smart, good use of birth control. <laughs> Don't get pregnant before you go into war. Yep. It works out fine. I mean, Farley's a su- like, it works out fine for Farley. She's a superstar. It's like she has a kid and then goes to a war meeting. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I know Helena's killed Shade, mm-hmm. but I don't mind him as a character. Yeah. I, I don't, don't hate him. Like, I know you probably should because mm-hmm. he killed Shade and he was on the back. But I just, I don't at all. Yeah, I don't have any of that. Like, ah, he's the one who killed Shade. Although we never really got to see Shade develop too much. Right. To even have that. Mm-hmm. And he and he is really sweet with his sister. Like, the plan that they had where she was going to marry Cal, he was going to marry Elaine um, for her, I guess, so they could all be together. Yeah. So I know in the first book, I was critical of Evangeline's medical metal clothes because it seems like they would be really uncomfortable, but I would like to retract that statement because, uh, they're actually super brilliant and I kind of love the concept of it now. It's because of this book. So I think her using her clothes as weaponry is fantastic. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I always liked it. I thought her clothing was so cool. Although mine was more from an aesthetic point of view. Right. Thinking that it looked cool. Yeah. Um, but it's also functional. Yeah. So that's- like she reforms her dress into armor. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. And it reminds me. So it reminds me of how like we use clothes to like make ourselves feel empowered or confident. Mm-hmm. She uses hers in the same way, except they're literally empowering to her. She can take off a sleeve and cut somebody's head off with it. I don't feel like Evangeline is like, she just wants to be left alone with Elaine. Like she just wants to live her life. Well, she wants to live her life, but she wants to be in a position of power too. Yeah. So I liked her better in this book. There were moments when I was like, yes, girl support you 100% but she's still terrible in some places and 
I'm assuming that this is going to change in the next book, but like, she's still desperate for power. She, and one of her chapters, she goes on and on and on about how great it is to be a princess and how she's finally getting what she wants. And she doesn't have to be married to Cal to have it. She finally gets to have a title and a throne and be in power and whatever. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You're still the same person. You just don't, you get to be with Elaine now. Like she's still, <laughs> pretty hateful and terrible <laughs> I didn't see her being that hateful in this in the end she makes that red girl get her a glass of wine throws it on the ground oh, and yes. makes her scrape up glass shards with her hands that's right I forgot about that and then thinks about doing it again <laughs> but didn't she do it to make a point does that make it okay no but I didn't necessarily come from a hateful place. Yes, it did. Didn't, what, what, what was the point she was trying to make? I don't that remember. reds are inferior to them. Oh, I thought she was trying to make it. I don't, I no, really, it was, by the I, end of the book, I was pretty burnt it was, out. I, I, I just liked her more than I did in the other books. So. Well, I did too. We have a better under, she, so we get some character development. She's not just this awful silver girl who's desperate to be queen we get some character development we understand her a little better i like her a lot better in this book but she's not a nice person no and she's Although, not about uh equality among blood she just wants power and to be left alone with elaine i so getting to know her parents and stuff do you think you'd really be like a nice person after that be no they're up? terrible people <laughs> <laughs> i understand why she is the way she is just like i understand why maven is the way that he is and i feel bad for her her life has been terrible her dad used to make her see everything as a weapon. She would walk into a room and have to decide, what can I use to kill somebody with? That's no way to raise a five-year-old. But <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm not just going to, just like with Maven, I don't forgive all, he murdered babies. Like, I don't forgive all of his actions. Oh, yeah, I forgot he did that. Um, well, right, but I have more sympathy towards her now, I guess. Yeah, I have more sympathy. But also, Maven almost dying was weird. So he was, like, shot in the throat, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he was, like, shot in the throat. And then I imagine, like, the silver blood coming up. Mm -hmm. There is... Okay, have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? No. Okay. So a character dies by being shot in the throat. Mm. And it's really graphic. And mm -hmm. so that's what's going through my head when they're, like, when this is going on. And so I just felt horrible and it was just horrible. Like I heard it in my head, the gurgling noises that the oh, anarchy made. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not enjoy that. <laughs> and then I'm surprised how quickly they were able to heal him. But I mean, when you got that magic healing power though. Yeah, that's true. It's revealed that the Lakelander War was just always to control the red population, like yeah. a population control. Mm -hmm. That's so messed up. There's one part where she's reading the book, 
one of the books that has the number of people who died and it's like something like thousands of silvers but millions of reds yeah it's like 500,000 silvers 50 Mm -hmm. million reds yep that's insane and then maven's plan is to Ugh, to continue with population control by switching it over to basically a civil war, right? Yeah. Trade one war for another. I mean, I, they could just sterilize people. Because that's better. I mean, I, I guess mean, it's better. You're not dead. You yeah. just can't reproduce. Yeah. It's a, another form of population control that they could have... Would have been less expensive, probably. They, keep they could track- make... <laughs> they can make birth can like they talk about how you can't just go out and get healed you can't so they can make birth control readily available there were so many other options they could have taken mm-hmm. didn't have to be a war so when the scarlet guard attacks corvium mm-hmm. um, i loved Cam- cameron's and herrick's rescue of her brother Maury when he was being held hostage by the silvers within Corvium I thought that was so clever especially because everyone was like no Cameron we know he's here but you can't save him it's like this is her purpose (laughs) that is all she has wanted up to this point is to save her brother and now you're telling her that she can't no yeah, I thought that was really clever too. Also, very brutal though. She oh just my gosh! Yeah, everyone. Yes, fat. She says faster than I have ever. Ki- what a tragic statement! Faster than I've ever killed anyone before. Um, yeah, and it traumatizes her brother. I can't imagine the heart. She must feel so heartsick. So she finally, you know, they're able to save all of the, the reds that were being held captive she's finally reunited with her brother and he's terrified of her mm-hmm. yeah and also along with that it shows how successful propaganda can be i mean he knows his sister is a new blood right he knew that i guess going into the war um he's he was sent into a war and he's like 15 mm-hmm. and now the same people who sent him into that war are telling him a lie but he still buys it even though they've been oppressing him for his entire life mm-hmm. you know um so yeah the proper i mean but then again mayor did hold the severed head up during her broadcast so I right that made it easier for maven to convince the people that it is not um they're looking more to create chaos and be terrorists than they are to uh than they are dedicated to ensuring equality did you we haven't we haven't had a lot of exposure to iris signet yet but what were your first impressions of her i like her i do too i have high hopes for her character me too. I love that when they first meet her, her first depiction of her, she's in this like beautiful, elegant dress, but you can see that she's got like uh, <laughs> ripped up training leathers underneath it. Like mm-hmm. she's prepared. I like that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I liked her. And then she talked with Mary. And I like that she, oh yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, that was really, I mean, she talked with Mary and had a conversation with her. 
about how something about kings and their pets because her father had uh did it as well Mm -hmm. i mean not obviously exactly the same as maven but had somebody like you know and so i feel like unlike evangeline she wasn't threatened by mayor Mm -hmm. evangeline felt very threatened by mayor at Mm -hmm. first um and instead she's just like i accept this is what it is yeah she's very calm Uh uh-huh i like that yeah fully in control Mm -hmm. yeah so you mentioned that if maven wasn't a psycho i guess he he'd be the better leader than cal yeah you want to expand on that yes so i love cal but he is so wishy-washy and i think that if maven wasn't a psychopath he would definitely be the better leader you know he's fan he's got those charismatic leader characteristics he's great at political maneuvering he's great Cal is great at like military strategy, but Maven is great with like political strategy, with manipulating people, with making speeches. He's very convincing as a leader. And Maven mentions this in the first book too. Like you need a, he says that Cal would not be a strong leader. And I agree. I don't think he would be. I don't think he would make a great monarch. I think he would be someone who could really easily be manipulated, which uh goes with some good planning on Volo Samus's part in <laughs> basically breeding his daughter to because he's hungry for power so basically breeding his daughter to be the future queen i mean he could really easily use his daughter to usurp some power if it worked out that way so i think maven <clears throat> would make a way better leader what do you think i agree and I also think Maven and Mayor would be a better couple. Yeah. If, uh, again, minus the crazy right. um, aspect, minus his um, psychopath aspect. Right. But I think they would have been, I think their personalities are better matched mm-hmm. than Mayor and Cal. I think that they would be able to play off of each other better as well, mm-hmm. as, well as leaders. What did you think of the wedding battle well the wedding and the battle that followed so i i don't want to say i liked the battle but i did really like samson using um mare and cal against each other you get to see a unique perspective um when he's inside their head and directing them to use Mm -hmm. their powers i thought that was I like that really scene. clever so mm-hmm. clever i loved it like that was probably my f- of the battle scenes that we've seen so far that was probably my favorite scene like so much happened you know um the scarlet shark guard the scarlet guard shows up in full force okay we have lightning so we ha- mayor's like someone else is able to generate lightning now okay that's a huge revelation um the Arvin guards try to drag Mare away and Evangeline beheads them and uses her friend Ren's healing abilities to like zap Mare back into her strength again. Like, and then they unleash her and chaos rains down. She's like popping light bulbs left and right. (laughs) And then, yes. And then that scene with Samson and Cal, like she finally finds him and Krantz, 
prance even. She, like there's so much that happens. And then she finally has this reunion with Cal and he's trying to kill her. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that, that invasiveness of Samson being inside of her mind and Cal's mind and not having control over her body. And I thought it was all just terribly clever. And then Samson's death was so satisfying. And then I thought it was hilarious when she sees Cal, <laughs> they're in control of their bodies again. And she's like, okay, what's the plan? And Cal says, for once we have one, like, thank <laughs> goodness. Finally. <laughs> I'm glad that they also, or at least Cal recognizes that they never had a good plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like he, nobody said anything about it in the last book about not having a plan. Yeah. And now he's like, finally, for once. For once. <laughs> I love Ma- I love Mare's reunion with her family. It was really heartwarming. When the last book, you know, after Shade dies, like she takes an hour before she even goes to see them. So she's avoidant of her family. And I love when her, her mom runs to her to embrace her. Oh, it just got me right in my heart. And then her sister, everyone is surrounding her. We're all crying. Like, I thought it was so sweet. I agree. And also when she realizes that um, her sister's healed and her dad is mostly healed, mm-hmm. like, that's got to be such a relief because she carried so much guilt about her sister, which I think, frankly, mm-hmm. rightly so. Um, yeah. She carried a lot of guilt about that. And, but now her sister, you know, is better. But then it was so sad when she's goes back to the war and they're like, please don't, please stay. Yeah. And she's like, no, sorry. Bye. I can't. Yeah. She says, like, I've just got too much anger and it will eat me alive if I don't do something with it. I think it's funny when Mare and Cal start training together and they go on their run, you know, and there's like a storm coming and Cal stops them and he's like looking around and he's like, what's wrong? <laughs> and Mare's like, it's, it's summer that it, like sometimes storms happen. <laughs> it's just weather. <laughs> I love that too. That was great. Uh- <laughs> I think one of your favorite quotes happens around this time too with the sun, the sunburn, right? Yes. Yes. Hold on. Let's find that. What was that quote? Uh, oh, he takes his shirt off and she goes, my first instinct is to warn him about sunburn, <laughs> which I just relate to so much when I see like, cause it mentions a bunch of times that he's pale. So <laughs> when I see a pale person, man, whatever, no matter how hot they are, I'm like, Ooh, I hope they use some SPF. <laughs> Let's talk about the dangers of skin cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It stresses me out. Yeah. I like when Mare realizes that she's not the only person who can manipulate electricity anymore. She's not the only person that can manipulate um, lightning. She meets Rafe and Ella and Titan. And I know you're going to be shocked by this, but my brain was automatically like Titan's the best when I read that he has like silvery white hair. I was like, yep. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I, 
I definitely have a type. <laughs> you do. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like there's no other, like, I don't, there's like barely any other physical descriptors, but I read like, he's got white hair. I'm like, I'm on board. Sign me up. One of my favorite things in these books are being able to see different uh, abilities, right? And I like that even within the abilities, there's variation. So with the Electricons, you have uh, Mare, who's able to take out lights. She's able to use lightning. You have Titan, who's able to use, I guess, brain electricity and knock people out with seizures and stuff like that. You have the other girl who basically calls upon a storm. Mm-hmm. So I like that there are variations within the their the powers itself as well. The end of this book is pretty brutal. They have this really violent clash between the Scarlet Guard and Maven and Maven's armies and the Lakelanders at Corvium. And it's, I mean, it's just so you do see a really interesting display of all of the silver, different silver and new blood abilities. Um, The way that they're able to manipulate the weather, the way that because they're able to manipulate the weather, Cal has to sort of think on his feet in terms of strategy for how to get people out of planes onto the ground without the planes being destroyed. And we see Dane using his shielding abilities to sort of do this like divide and conquer just like Hulk smash Hulk smash approach to destroying or to killing the Lake Landers and Maven's army. Um, It's just, it's brutal. And then at the end of it, sort of all of um, Cal's grandma's scheming with the, with fellow Samos and, all of that, it sort of comes to a head and it's just really terribly sad (laughs) that all of these people are being manipulated by their parents or grandparents again. Um, So Cal's mom or grandma wants to put him back on the throne and Cal feels conflicted about that. And then Evangeline is once again engaged to Cal and she's devastated because all she wants to do is be with Elaine and be a princess and all of these plans that she had have now fallen apart. She's stuck with Cal again. Um, Mayor is heartbroken yeah. because Cal chooses this throne over her after he said that he would not. And he's like, well, why don't you choose me? <laughs> because you stand for everything that I'm against. It, yeah. it ends in a hot mess. It does. It really does. So the very end of the book, like the very last thing that happens are Mayor Farley and Davidson, they're walking away and Farley says to Mayor, or Davidson says to Mayor, somebody says to Mayor that they're going to let them, uh, the Silvers, destroy each other from the inside out. And I really love that because mm-hmm. it's, it's what's going to happen. It's true. All these different people who are now vying for power are now, uh, have their own agendas and it's going to clash. They're, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to work together for any extended period of time. And so I like their plan of just leaving them to themselves being like, watch them eat each other sort of thing. Marissa, did you have any quotes from this book? 
Yeah, and it, it goes back to Cameron. So she says regarding Mayor and Cal and their relationship with Maven, how many times does one wicked boy have to betray you before you learn? Like, yes, girl. Yeah. Hit the nail on the head with that one. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you? Uh, so I had the sunburn one, but I have two other ones. Um, Mayor says this to Cal when he chooses the throne. She says, you aren't alone. You have your crown. Mayor, sometimes she just has these comebacks I know. that are great, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. That was sassy, I guess. Yeah. This happens uh, just a bunch throughout the book. Cal's cursing. Mm-hmm. He says things like, my colors were shivers <laughs> as his cursing. And I just love that. <laughs> I know. I think they're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, by my colors, Mayor. I mean, that sounds like, uh, I don't know, it's like a little Southern expression or like, I feel uh, like we would say that down here. Well, by my colors. When I read it, I thought of you because you do, I mean, you don't say that, but I was like, I could see Marissa saying <laughs> I thought of you. We do love our expressions down here in the uh, South. Let's see another book. Do you have any closing yeah. thoughts on the book? Uh, so this, this book was my favorite in the series that we've read so far. Mm-hmm. It was, it was super action packed. I loved getting perspective different from Mayor's. I believe that will continue in the next book. So I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see how the series ends. What do you think? What are your closing thoughts? So for my closing thoughts, I'm also excited to see in the next book, other people's points of view. I'm a big fan of that. And I think that um, I'm excited to see how things develop between the silvers especially leaving, ending on that note of we'll let them destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't think excited is the right word. Curious? Yeah. I'm curious to see the development in the next book of the Silvers relationships because they, they're they not united. Also, Maven's still out there. Mm-hmm. So, got to see that resolved. So, yeah. It's a lot oh, to wrap up. It is. Thank you for joining us this week for our discussion of King's Cage. We hope that you join us next week. We'll be covering the last book in this series called War Storm. We're super excited and we hope you listen to it with us. So thanks. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.